Welcome to Crossroads Church Podcast. We are located in Northern Colorado, and you may hear us refer to ourselves as Orange Dots of Hope. And what's so cool and exciting is that Orange Dots of Hope are not just located in Northern Colorado, but our community stretches literally around the world, and we are grateful for you. And this podcast is another way for us to make our world a little bit smaller. So it's so good to be with you. My name is Jessica, and I am your host. We are in a series called Campfire Stories. This is week four, and this is especially fun for me to introduce to you our guest speaker today is our founding pastor, John Smith, teaching on a water walking story the path to purpose. He talks about if you want to walk on water, you have got to get out of the boat. And you are going to love this today. Now, when I said this is especially fun, this is my dad. My name is Jessica Smith, but well, Jessica Perez, but John Smith is my dad. And I think you are in for a treat with this message. And I'm really glad that you're here. And before we cut to John, here's a little bit of what Campfire Stories is about. These stories of miracles, betrayal, friendship, long journeys, campfires on the sea, deaths and resurrection would eventually find their way onto paper and into our lives through the Bible. This summer, let's meet around the campfire and explore stories that can shape our spirituality and reveal the truth of God. Make sure you prioritize connecting each week, and that's what we're doing here on the podcast. After all, you never know who you will meet and what you will hear sitting around the campfire after a long week at work. So here is John with week four of Campfire Stories. Welcome everybody here. Good seeing everybody in the room. Good seeing everybody online watching, maybe on demand, watching all times of the day and night. We're glad that you're with us. And since we're in this series about stories, I got a story for you. I was going through the drive-thru at Starbucks the other day. I ordered my normal iced Americano, half decaf, little bit of cream. It's like $2.50. I get up to the window And the barista says to me, she says, the car in front of you, without even knowing me, paid for my drink. And she said, people have been doing that all day. They've been taking, paying for the car that's behind them. I thought, how wonderful is that? How cool is that? Kind of the pay it forward idea. I thought, I love this. And I thought, you know, I'm working on a message at Crossroads, and and here's God blessing me through somebody, showing generosity. And the barista says, well, do you want to pay for the car behind you? I said, absolutely. I would love to pay for them. She said, that'll be $15. They have three Vente Frappuccinos. (laughs) 
Well, we're in a series about stories. Fourth week, about campfire stories. And I've got a story today we're going to look at. I think it's one of the most inspiring stories in the entire Bible. And it's about, it's about risk. It's about fear. It's about failure, which sounds like camping to me. I'm not a big camper. I, I'm not. I've done it. Don't, you know, cut me a little grace. I've done camping. I'm, I'm just not big on it. My family loves camping. Both my daughters were up camping all week. I married a woman who loves to camp. Phyllis loves camping. It's just not my thing. It's not. As you, many of you know, I'm from Chicago. I'm more of, a, I'm more of an indoorsy kind of guy. My parents never took me camping because they love me. <laughs> well, let's look at this story. This story, this inspiring story from the New Testament that is about risk and fear and failure and faith and how they're all tied together. It's the story that I'm sure was told around campfires for centuries. It's a story of Peter walking on the water. Some of you have heard it. I'm going to read the whole story. And you can just sit back. You can listen. If you have a Bible, you could turn to it. It's Matthew 14, beginning at verse 22. But just listen to this story. Some of you are familiar with it. Matthew writes it. He says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending the people home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was still there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were frightened by heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. They cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Don't be afraid. Take courage. It's me. Peter called to him. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said to him. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God. And let's start with the first verse. First thing that I read, verse 22. Matthew writes, immediately after this, Jesus insisted his disciples get back into that boat. Some Bibles say Jesus compelled them to get into the boat. Others say he made them get into the boat. And immediately after this, what was right before this? You know what was right before this? It was the feeding of the 5,000. Many of you know that story. You know, Jesus is preaching to a crowd of thousands. It's late in the day, they're hungry. And he takes five loaves of bread, two fish, and miraculously feeds 5,000 people. And when the people saw that, you know, they said, uh, they said let's, make, let's make him king. Jesus is the king we've been waiting for. 
Jesus is the king that's going to free us finally from Roman oppression and domination. They thought if he could take five five loaves of bread and two fish and feed 5,000 people, just think what he could do if we brought him one sword, one chariot, and one horse. We're going to make him king is what they said. Jesus said, no, no, I won't do that. That's not the kind of king I am. I'm not going to do it. I didn't come to earth to bring that kind of kingdom. I didn't. And it may well be, it may well be, his disciples went along with that same idea of the crowd. So Jesus said no. And he says to his disciples, he says, get in the boat. Get in the boat. Give up your ideas of power and glory and that kind of earthly kingdom. You know, I'm not, that, that's not the revolution that I came to bring. Not at all. That's not it. I'm not the Terminator, guys. Trust me on this. Just get in the boat. And they get in the boat. And it's, you know, it's light out. It's afternoon. And the body of water that they're crossing, it's not that big. It's like four and a half miles at the widest spot. That's it. And many in the boat, those guys in the boat, they were pros, many of them. They had been around fishing and boats their entire lives. But you got to imagine, they get hit by this violent storm that is so rough they can't make headway in the water. I mean, picture in your mind, imagine the size, the size of the waves, the strength of the wind, the darkness of night. It's dark now. They still haven't crossed. The boat's struggling to keep from being capsized. These are the conditions under which Peter was going to get out of the boat. I mean, it's tough enough to walk on water when the water's calm and it's light out. Try doing, try doing it when waves are crashing, when the wind is gale force and it's three o'clock in the morning and you're terrified. You're scared to death. Imagine you're Peter. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. He's inviting you to go on the adventure of your life. The adventure of your life, but at the same time, you're scared to death. What do you do? What do you do? And the boat, the boat's symbolic of what's safe and, and what's secure, what's comfortable. The water. The water's rough. The waves are high. Wind's strong. There's a storm out there. You're cold. You're wet. You're exhausted. You got no Dramamine. You going to get out of the boat? Would you get out of the boat? I mean, you get out of the boat, there's a good chance you're going to sink. But if you don't get out of the boat, there's guaranteed certainty, ironclad certainty. You'll never walk on water. You'll never go on the adventure of your life. You won't. If you want to walk on water, this was the title of a book I read many years ago by John Ortberg. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. That's this whole message right here. And I believe, I believe deep inside of us, inside all of us, there is something, there is someone, I believe God, the presence of God, there's something inside all of us that wants to go on the adventure of our life. We want to abandon ourselves to the high adventure of really living, being fully alive. 
I think there's the God inside of us inspires us to make a difference in this world. That's what this is about. It's about abandoning ourselves from that routine existence, going on the adventure that God would have for us in life. That's it. That's what walking on water is about. That's what the story is about. And you know there's a pattern to the story that I read? And there's many stories like this in the Bible. They occur over and over again in the Old Testament and New Testament. And there's a pattern in all of these stories. It is so common that Bible scholars have given a name to it. They call it call narratives. That's what they're called. Call narratives. They're narratives. They're stories. Stories that record God challenging something, somebody with an assignment, a task to do. And it's what they were made for. So I'm going to walk through these components of these type of, of stories. There's five of them. Five components. If you're a note-taking type, you could write them down. Here's the first one. It's kind of God issues a challenge. In these narrative stories, they all begin by God asking somebody to do something. Verse 29, Jesus says to Peter, come to me, come to me. Jesus many times said, follow me. And just like Peter, God will challenge you. God will challenge you to follow him like never before. Like never before. Galatians 1.6 says, God by his grace through Christ has called you to become his people. To be his people, to make a difference in this world. And these type, this type of calling or, or challenge, it's always about your assignment. It's about your assignment. It's about your purpose. It's about your mission in life. It's about the reason God created you. And Matthew wants us to know that Jesus often comes to us with these challenges when we least expect it. Might be three in the morning for you. Three in the morning. You're lying in bed. You have a vision, a dream that wakes you up. Could be in the middle of a storm in your life. Very difficult time in your life. And God uses that storm to challenge you. Challenge you with something. It's when God challenges ordinary people like you and like me to do something extraordinary. Like getting out of the boat. And here's a question. Think about this. Those of you that know much about the Bible, when does God ever interrupt somebody's life and challenge them to do something that is easy? How often does God challenge somebody with an easy task? You know, it's not very difficult. How often does God interrupt somebody's life and say, I got an assignment for you. You can do it pretty quickly and it won't put any demands on you. How often does that happen? Rough guess. How often does God challenge somebody with something like that? Rough guess. Zero. Zero. Never. Never. God never challenges people with an easy job. Max Dupree, leadership guru, business leader, he says, never insult somebody by giving them an easy job. And God never does. God never does. The Bible is a story of one person after another where God interrupts people's lives, challenges them to do something real hard. God comes to Noah. He says, I want you to build an ark in the face of ridicule, restarting the whole human race. God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to leave 
the country that's familiar to you. I want you to go to a faraway country. I'll tell you when you get there. And Abraham, get this. When you're 99, I want you to start a family. God comes to Joseph. To Joseph, God says, I want you to trust me and be faithful to me. Even when your brothers betray you and you get thrown in prison and you're a slave. God comes to Moses. He says, I want you to leave that life that's very comfortable shepherding. I want you, Moses, go back to Egypt where you're wanted for murder and confront Pharaoh. God comes to Esther, a beauty queen, challenges her, give up her life of safety, security, and great wealth, and trust God even when it may mean giving up her entire life. And God gave the ultimate, the ultimate assignment to Jesus. Reconcile the world to himself by showing everybody that God loves and creates all people by going to the cross. And after Jesus had done that, he gathered his followers together. He said, now go into the world, have real successful careers, drive nice cars, build big houses, live safe, respectable lives. That's Hallucinations 1.8, by the way. That's a, that's a great verse. You can look that up. Hallucinations 1.8. God challenges people. There's always a challenge. And usually, usually it's to do something very difficult. That's the first thing. God doesn't give us easy jobs. Here's the second component uh, in these type of stories. You may not like this one. I don't care for this one. Myself. People respond. It's about their response to the challenge. Every case, case the person is challenged by God, they give their reaction directly to God. And again, those of you familiar with the Bible, when God interrupts somebody's life, challenges them with, with a real hard task, how often does the person say back to God? How often does the person respond by saying, oh, wow, God, what a great opportunity you want me to confront Pharaoh? You want me to take on the Midianites? You want me to spend a night in a lion's den? Walk into a fiery furnace? You want me to marry a woman who's pregnant, says she's a virgin? You want me to face jeers, beatings, chains, prison? Fabulous. What a great opportunity, God. What a great challenge. Can you supersize it for me? Almost never do people respond to God like that in the Bible. Almost never. Almost always, they respond with fear. They respond with fear. Almost always, the people are scared to death. Almost always. But you see, the choice to follow Jesus, it's a choice to grow. And the choice to grow means we got to get out of the boat a little bit every single day. And that always involves fear. It's something new. That's why every time, we every time you decide to change and to grow, you're going to step into new territory. That always involves some anxiety, some fear. It's new territory. It's almost always like that. I mean, isn't that great news? Fear and growth go together. It's a package deal. It's like mac and cheese. They just go together. I mean, in this story, Jesus came to the disciples Matthew says, they were all afraid. They were all scared to death. And Jesus said what God says to people over and over again in the Bible. Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, it's me, I'm here. 
You know my character. You know my competency. You could safely put your life into my hands. Stop being afraid. Peter said, well, what do you want me to do then? Command me. Tell me what you want me to do. Jesus says, Peter, get out of the boat. Peter put one foot over the side. One side over one side of the boat, then, then the other foot. Then he took one step. Then he took another. And for a few moments, Peter became the first person in history walking on water, walking towards Jesus. You know, I'll never forget when I felt God challenging me to be a pastor. I'll never forget that. It didn't make sense to me. I, you know, I say that I... I made a decision to follow Jesus' way of living and teaching in my life when I was 27. But it was five years after that that, you know, I felt God calling me. And, and I was so new to faith and didn't have basic Bible knowledge. I became a Christian. I remember the first time our family sat around a table at dinner and I said, hey, we're going to pray at dinner. Our girls were real little. And I did a prayer, the first one I ever had done. I got to the end of the prayer. I didn't know what they, people say to end the prayer. I couldn't think of it. I just kept going on and on. Finally, Phil said, and finally I said, that's it, that's it, that's the end of it. Let's just eat. <laughs> Phil said, John, I think the word you were looking for was amen. <laughs> I was new to faith. This is like five years later, I feel God challenging me to a pastor. I was terrified of that because I was always terrified of public speaking. I mean, I'm like all of you. Public speaking is the number one fear that we have, right? I mean, bad breath is like second. Death is way down the list. I was terrified of speaking in public, but I knew pastors had to do it. I remember the first talk I ever gave at a church. It was to be 30 minutes long. I was to a group of high school students there were like 35 of them there. I was supposed to talk 30 minutes. I said everything I knew about God, the Bible, and theology. I was done in less than 10 minutes. It was a disaster. A kid threw a pencil and hit me right here in the middle of the talk. I'm not kidding. But I didn't quit. I felt God was calling me to this. I didn't quit. I kept trying, trying again, working harder. And when you think about it now, Think about it now. I can go sometimes 45 minutes, hardly say anything at all. <laughs> when God interrupts a life and challenges somebody to do something, give them a hard assignment, their response almost always is fear. Fear of inadequacy. God comes to Gideon. To Gideon, he says, I want you to save my people from the Midianites. That's their enemy. I want you to be the guy, Gideon, to lead them into battle. Joshua 6.15. But Lord, Lord, Gideon says, how can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest in all Manasseh, and I'm, the, I'm the, uh, the least person in the entire family. God, I'm not adequate for this. I can't do this job. You talk about dysfunctional families. My family's the most dysfunctional in all Manasseh. I'm the least functioning person in the family. Sometimes it's fear of failure. Failure. God challenged Caleb and Joshua. Eight others scout out, scout out the promised land. This is Numbers 13. They come back. Eight out of ten say, all the people there are huge. They devour us. We can't go in there. We got to go back home. 
We'd fail. Exodus 3 is maybe the classic case on this. God calls Moses to confront Pharaoh to free the Israelites. Moses is so scared. He says no to God five times. Five times in a row he comes up with excuses. And I mention this because sometimes people will say, I'll hear people say, God had never called me to do something I'm scared to do. God would never call me to do something I can't handle. I go to the contrary in the Bible. God almost always challenged people to do something they couldn't handle on their own. So if there's a challenge in front of you, if there's a challenge in front of you right now that would cause you to grow, and it would help a lot of people, it would have that kind of potential to make a difference in, the, in someone's life, but you're scared to do it, be real careful if you say no. That could be God's call upon your life. That could be it. In fact, I'll go a step further. If you're not facing a challenge that seems too big for you in your life right now, if it's been a long time since you've been scared, real scared, uh, it's quite possible you've been on the cruise ship too long. God always challenges people. When it happens, people respond, always. They respond with fear, often. Fear of inadequacy, fear of failure. Here's the third thing, though. God offers reassurance in all these stories. God offers reassurance, and that's a striking thing, even though people's responses fear to God's challenge, God's call. God never reacts by saying, oh, I could see this would be pretty scary for you. Oh, man, okay, okay, it'd be scary for you. Just forget about it. I'll get somebody else. God doesn't do that. God knows we'd be scared. But God makes a promise. God makes a promise. God said to Gideon, Judges 6, 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You think you're the least functioning person in your family and in Manasseh? You're a mighty warrior in my eyes. God sees in you what you don't see in yourself, and the same with me. God said these words to Joshua, magnificent words, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Some of you need to write those words down and Carry them with you all week and read them. Read them numerous times throughout the week. And again, I think, it, again, I think it's important that we understand what these promises mean. They don't mean if you follow God, nothing bad will ever happen to you. They don't mean that. The Apostle Paul said yes to God's call on his life. A lot of bad things happened to Paul. When Paul was reviewing his life, this is 2 Corinthians 11, This is what Paul says about his own life. Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and day in the open sea. I was constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen. I've been in danger in the city, in the country. I've been in danger at sea. I've labored and toiled. I've gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked. 
God never promises. If we follow him, everything's going to go easy. You follow him, it doesn't mean everything's going to go easy. You might suffer. Just being honest, you might suffer. You might, you might get hurt. You might sink. You might fail. No, you will fail sometimes. But Jesus will be there to pick you up. Jesus will be right there to pick you up. And all of us, we have to remember, all of us who are Christ followers, we follow in a faith for which countless people have given their lives. Here's the promise that gets made. It's Romans 8, 39. Nothing can separate you from God and from God's love. Nothing. Paul writes, I'm convinced that nothing, height nor depth, angels nor demons, power nor principalities, danger, nakedness, famine, the sword, nothing. Not nothing can harm you. No, nothing is able to separate me, you, from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know God's with me all the time. I know God will guide me, guide me in this life, and God will be with me eternally in the life to come. And because God has removed all eternal risks, I can take all kinds of risks here on earth. And we need to. We need to. So God challenges people. People respond. God offers reassurance. Leads to the fourth one. Here's the fourth one. People decide People got a decision to make. It's decision time. All the people in these stories, they decide. And this is what really matters, what we decide. When God challenges us or calls us, you know, to do something, it doesn't matter whether we're scared or not. That doesn't matter. Of course we'll feel scared, feel inadequate. What matters when God challenges you is your decision. Whether you say yes or no to God, that's all. That's all that matters. Peter said yes. When his eyes were on Jesus, he walked on water. When he took his eyes off his focus, Jesus, what Jesus was calling him to, that's when he sank. Did Peter fail? No, he didn't fail. Not at all. He said yes. It's when he lost his focus of what God had called him to do in his life. That's when he sank. There were 11 bigger failures in the boat that day. You know, they failed quietly because they didn't even take the chance. But remember, as you think about all this, only people that get out of the boat and say yes to the challenge of God that God puts on their mind and on their heart, those are the only people that go on the adventure of living with God. Those are the only ones. Only people who say yes experience all that God has called them to, to do. And these challenges come in all shapes and sizes in our lives. You'll experience numerous ones throughout your life. I mean, right now, God's maybe, I don't know what God is challenging you with. What do you think it is? For some people, it's a, to take a relational risk. Maybe you know you need to have a dangerous conversation with someone, but you're scared. Maybe, maybe you're in a relationship that's stagnant with a partner, with a, with a husband, with a wife. You need to have a courageous conversation with them. Maybe God's challenging you about your work, your vocation. You know, you, you'd like to try something different, but you're scared to even pursue it. 
even to turn in a resume. Maybe God's challenging you to go to school, go back to school. But you got a voice in your head. You know, it says, oh, you were never good at school. You're too old to take classes now. God's challenged you to step out, retool yourself, take some classes. Maybe God's challenging you with something about your money. You're holding on to your money real tight. But you know somebody that could use some help, and you're leading a comfortable life. And you could help them financially, but you're scared to even let go a little, a little of your money. Maybe, maybe you're in a relationship with someone, and you've never invited them to actually watch one of these services at your house. You know, you can do them, they're on demand. Any time of day or night, you could sit down and invite somebody over to watch one of these and talk about it. Or you've never invited somebody here to church where they could hear about the God who created them and loves all people and welcomes all people. And they could be part of a church that tries to live by the words of Paul and Galatians where there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, but we're all one. Doesn't matter what religion they are, ethnicity, race, doesn't matter. Sexual orientation, economic condition, we're all one at Crossroads. We don't, we don't look at those things that divide people. We're all one. Maybe the challenge with you has to do with a, an addiction in your life. An addiction. And you're scared to death for anybody to find out about it. So you've never gotten help. Never gotten into recovery. It's going to take a real act of courage for you to say yes, I acknowledge it. It's going to take an act of courage to say yes and to say those words, I need help. Some of you need to do that. I think God challenges all of us in some way to get out of the boat to say yes. And I'll tell you why it matters. That's number five. Last one. I'm done then. The result is a changed life, always. Every story of a challenge from God ends up being a story of a changed life life. Every time you get out of the boat, say yes to God, especially in, in a difficult situation. When you say yes, you change a little bit. Your faith gets deeper. Your courage gets stronger. I think of a, I think of a seamstress, uh, a member of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, Montgomery, Alabama. I stood in the pulpit of that church in January of 2019. And this seamstress was a Jesus follower. And she believed that God was challenging her to teach a segregated world about love and justice. So one evening, 6 o'clock, December 1st, 1955, when a bus driver told her she had to get out of her seat, move to the back of the bus because she's African American, and a white man needed her seat, even though there were four empty seats in a row. In one of the most courageous decisions of the 20th century, she did not move. And it started a revolution. And the next Monday night at her church, 10 to 15,000 people gathered. And they, Jesus followers, that prayed together and asked God, what do we do next? But that decision had a high cost to it. That decision had a high cost. It started a revolution that was not easy. Not easy. Many were beaten. Many were imprisoned. Many were killed. But it changed the conscience 
of our nation. It's not done by a long shot. But it was all because of a mild-mannered, soft-spoken, Jesus-following seamstress by the name of Rosa Parks got out of the bus, or out of the bus, got out of the boat and said yes, said yes. But sometimes in the Bible, people say no. Sometimes people say no. I think of the story of the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus. He was sincerely interested in what Jesus taught. He was. And Jesus challenged him. Jesus challenged him to get out of the boat. Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said to him, go, sell your possessions, give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. I want you to go, Jesus said. I want you to sell everything you've got. Give it to the poor. It's going to be an amazing thing. There are people who went to bed hungry last night. They're not going to go to bed hungry tonight because of you. There are moms in anguish because their babies are starving. Their babies are not going to be starving, and it's because of you. All that stuff you got, I want you to go. Give it away. Then come back. Come back, and you and I are going to go on an adventure of our, your life trusting God together. Be the adventure of your life. It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to bless a lot of people that need a blessing. And your growth, it's going to go right through the roof. Come on, let's do it. And the rich young ruler just stood there in Jesus' presence. He just stood there for I don't know how long. He thought about what Jesus called him to do. But he had a lot of money. He had a lot of power. He had a real comfortable life. Matthew 19, 22, it says, When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He said no. He walked away. I wonder sometimes, what happened to that guy? What happened to that guy? Maybe he lived to be a real old man. I'll bet everybody thought he was a, a terrific success. I'll bet he was very respected. I'll bet he became even more wealthy. I'll bet he was quite religious. But nobody knew when his great chance came when Jesus challenged him to the adventure of his life to make a difference in this world, he wouldn't get out of the boat. Either way, when you get called by God, you're never the same. God calls you to do something, you say, no, no. Your heart gets a little colder. You get a little harder of hearing. Your faith gets weaker. You get a little more addicted to the boat gets a little less likely you're ever going to get out of it and your spirit dies a little. God says to everybody here, everyone watching, I'm, I'm challenging you with something. I'm calling you. I'm calling. God says, I'm challenging crossroads. I'm calling you. I'm calling you to be, to be salt, to be light in this world, to make a difference where you are, right where you are. Light up the darkness right where you are. Let my light shine through your life. I mean, what a challenge. God, God put us here for a reason. God put you here for a purpose. God's got a plan for your life, a dream. God has a dream for your life. God wants you to use you for a great purpose, one greater than you could ever imagine. That's why you're on earth. That's why you're here. Just remember one thing. If you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat.
bow our heads together. And I invite you to pray with me. And Maybe before I pray, uh, take a moment and just acknowledge to God that you have fears sometimes that hold you back. Fears that sometimes hold you back from saying yes to God. We all have them. Maybe it has to do with a relationship or your work, job, school, going back to school. Maybe you have a new sense of calling, a new challenge in front of you, and it's created anxiety in you. It just seems too big for you. God, right now, we give you all of this. We give you our anxiety, our reluctance to say yes to you. And we ask the same power that, of Jesus that overcame this world on the cross would be at work in our lives and our church. If you've never even said yes to following Jesus with your life or trying to do that, uh, taking steps towards that, say yes. Say, I open my heart, my mind, my life. I want to I want to learn about you. I want to follow your ways. I want to extend your love to people. And I want to trust you more. And I put my faith, what faith I have in you, strengthen my faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Wasn't that amazing? Thank you so much for that message, Dad or John. And I want to encourage you, if you have missed weeks one, two, or three, I think you should go back, listen to them, and catch up. Some of these stories you maybe have heard your whole life, and they're new takes, new lessons on them. I personally am loving it and growing, and I would love for you to be caught up on all of it. Now, before I give you the blessing of the week, to conclude this message, I want to update you on some things going on in the Crossroads Network. First of all, this week we are finally at Kids Adventure Camp. We've been talking about this, but we are finally here August 2nd through the 6th. And it's going to be an amazing week. If you live in northern Colorado and you're hearing this and you wonder if there's still time to bring your kids, we would love to have them join us. And as we always continue to serve with our time, talents, and treasures, if you live far from here, you can still support camp through your giving. And that is one thing we always do when we gather, whether we're in person or on the podcast or even watching later on demand, you can go to crossroadscolorado.com slash give to give and participate this way. And there are many ways you can give. You can give online, you can text 77977, or you can also find us on Venmo. And that, again, is a way you can even support Kids Camp from wherever you are. And lastly, I want to know who you are. And if you're listening to this, you can always let us know by accessing the Digital Connect card. And that's at crossroadscolorado.com slash gather. You can fill out your name, your email, whatever you're comfortable with. Fill out in the comments section that you're part of the podcast community. 
and we are really, really glad you're here. Glad to be with you in this way. And um, as we wrap up, I'm going to share the blessing from this week. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. May God bless you with the courage to walk with wisdom and grace as you follow God's challenges in your life. May the word of God reassure your heart and mind, and may your eyes remain fixed upon Jesus. May you walk with integrity and grace as carrying the banner of truth and justice, even with those who you do not understand. May your heart always be tender towards the love of Jesus. And when you're weary, may you return to your first love, who is Christ, for rest and restoration. When you're tempted to give up, to shut down, to build a wall and not let people into your life, may the Lord remind you that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Since there is no law against loving, may your heart always abound in love. Amen. Well, have a great week. We'll see you next time.